radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another episode of Agile FM. Today I have Evan Leiborn uh, from Australia with me. Uh, he's, uh, he's my guest today and uh, if you don't know who he is, uh, he is the founder of the Business Agility Institute uh, and he runs a business uh, agility conference. And uh, just to top it off with more business agility, he also wrote a book about uh, directing the Agile organization. Uh, that was a while back, but still relevant. He can be reached at uh, Twitter. Uh, e and then Leiborn, uh, there's no E at the end, just in case you uh, uh, want to get in touch with him uh, on Twitter or LinkedIn and all these uh, uh, links are on the show page. Welcome to the podcast, Evan. How are you doing? Thank you, Joe. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, this is going to be good. I'm doing well. It is uh, bright and sunny here in Melbourne, Australia, uh, though we are entering winter, so it's okay. starting to get a bit cold. Okay, so... Um, Melbourne, right? Evan Leiburn from Melbourne. <laughs> That's it. Yes. I'm, not the, I'm not the first one who says that, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. So we want to talk a little bit about business agility. I just uh, recently had some guests around uh, business agility uh, related topics, but not to the extent uh, and your background. And you started that business agility uh, institute, which we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, but before we talk about what the institute is, what the courses are, and, and all of these things. Uh, let's just define, and maybe we hear from uh, a capacity like you, uh, what business agility even is, right? Because there might be some folks out there who still have uh, or struggling with the definition of business agility. And uh, they hear like business uh, or agile in business versus business agility. Uh, maybe you just want to clarify this a little bit. Okay, so... That's not an easy question to answer. It's a very easy question to ask. What is business agility? <laughs> but um, I can't actually give you a straight answer. I'm going to give you a couple of different answers. Okay. Right? So first of all, I will clarify. Business agility is not agile business. Right? And, and, and in my own personal career, I've been doing business agility now since 2008. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was that 12 years. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and when I first started out, it really was more about agile business. It really was, how do you apply Scrum to marketing? Right? Right. How do you apply Kanban? Oh, the, not so much Kanban at the time, but it definitely was like test-driven development. And mm -hmm. I had this idea of test-driven work. Uh, and it was, in some cases, effective. Don't get me wrong. Right? Mm -hmm. Agile, capital A Agile can work in other functions. Mm -hmm. um, but over time, I realized that it's not Agile business, but it is business agility. So that's answer one, right? mm -hmm. or rather what it is not. In terms of what it is, um, at a high level, business agility is a, it's a meta term. It encompasses a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. So, so we are talking about an entire organizational construct, right? From the way that you work, HR, the way that you do budgeting and finance, the way that you lead management and leadership, the way that you do portfolio, the way that you do strategy, the way that you do, do delivery, right? Mm -hmm. So agile does is a part of that. Right. Uh, so as an umbrella term, it encompasses a lot. But also because every company is unique, and, and, and we can talk about this later, like a company is a complex adaptive system. Um, 
because of its uniqueness, the expression of business agility in every single company is unfortunately unique. It's, it's why we can't create a sort of a, a business agility framework. Right. Um, what we have done as an organization, and so this is like the third part of the answer, I told you there was going to be three, um, <laughs> is we've created uh, a set of characteristics that we use to define what business agility is. Not how to do it, right? because there's an infinite number of ways of how to do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, a model that says, uh, if you're going to be an agile organization, these are the things not to forget. Right? These are the things you need to focus on. And so if you're, if you're just doing like a Scrum um, transformation, adopting Scrum, yeah. then it doesn't really matter where you are, that's not enough. Scrum is fantastic. It does many, many great things, but it doesn't touch strategic agility. It mm-hmm. doesn't touch things like the board of directors. It doesn't touch your HR policies. Right. So uh, we developed what we call the domains of business agility, uh, mm-hmm. which is sort of underpinning most of our research. Um, and this is a set of 13 characteristics starting from the customer at the center, right? the board, the workforce, and the, uh, your organizational partners, the ecosystem outside your company. We have three domains under leadership, um, people management, one team or unity, mm-hmm. and strategic agility. Three domains under individuals, ownership and accountability, a growth mindset, which I think has become a bit of a buzzword recently, but it's still just because something's a buzzword doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. Um, and craft excellence, because if yeah. you can't do your job right, no amount of agility is going to help you. Yeah. And then the final three domains sit under what we call operations, which is structural agility, how a company is put together, structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, process agility, which is, to be honest, Agile 101. That's like the software development process. Right. Um, and enterprise agility, which is the intertwining mess that is uh, all those processes and systems plugging together. Right. So those... Uh, Obviously, that was a very, very fast, and you can read more on our website. But um, those characteristics is what we use to define what is business agility um, mm-hmm. at a more granular level than just it's everything. Right. I mean, I, I can tell, and probably the listeners can tell as well, is it's getting already more complex, right? It's not as, as, <laughs> as, as simple as just like a, a very short definition. But uh, I think the first definition you had, I think that was a common starting point, correct me if I'm wrong, for teams, I myself included. I had IT organizations, I did a lot of coaching there and training and then somebody says, but what about the marketing department? Or, you know, can we do something there too? And, and, and yes, you can, right? But that's not necessarily uh, where the strength and the power of, of these things come through, right? Because it's, so, it's, another, it's another island within an organization. It, it is, but it's also an integrated island. It, it, it's, it's an archipelago, if, I'm, if we're going to use uh, a nought, like, like geographic terms. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so there's a great concept coming out of Lean. Uh, Eli Goldratt wrote a book called The Goal. Um, yeah. oh, it was quite a while ago now. <laughs> it's quite an old book. Yeah. Um, uh, and, in, and in this book, he talks about a concept called theory of constraints. Mm-hmm. Um, for any of your listeners who don't know what the theory of constraints are, it, it's... it's Think of a production line, you're building a car, right? Somewhere in that production line is the constraint in the system, right? The, 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 the slowest part or the weakest part in that construction. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the team that, that installs the engine. So if you're running a transformation, it doesn't matter how much time, effort, or money you spend on transforming the door team, because mm-hmm. that door team is not the constraint, right? Mm-hmm. You need to focus your energy 
that transformational energy on the team that is constraining. Now, the corollary to fear of constraints is that there is always a constraint. Once you transform the engine team, they're no longer the constraint. Somewhere else in the system becomes the overarching constraint. And maybe now it is the door team. Right. Now, it's a great metaphor. And, and, and it's very powerful once you start to think about systems in terms of flow. Mm -hmm. And once you think about flow, you must start, start thinking about constraints. With apologies to Eli Goldratt, I rather arrogantly talk about Evan's theory of agile constraints, where an organization is only as agile as its least agile division or its least agile part. And if you go back in time, right, down to the 1980s and 1990s, software technology definitely was a constraining factor. Right? The, the, uh, in the 60s, we had the software crisis, which, of which software engineering emerged. Right? Software engineering went too far. Right? It was overblown, it was bureaucratic. And so it would take uh, tech teams years to bring products to market, even simple products to market, because we had this overblown engineering system behind it. And don't worry, I'm, engineers do amazing work, but for what we were doing in the software world, it was too much. Fast forward, and so, so it's, it's natural that in the 90s and the very early 2000s that agile emerges in software. It's a very, it was the constraining factor to agility in the organization. Mm -hmm. But then we fast forward and like in my career as I used to be a software developer a long time ago, um, we were using Scrum. Every two weeks we would have a, a potentially shippable product increment, mm -hmm. um, but where would it go? It wouldn't go to production, it would go to staging because we had a release window every three months, if we were lucky, every sixth, yeah. um, every six months if we weren't. So uh, our constraint, the feedback loop from our customer wasn't every two weeks, it was every six months. Yeah. So again, in this world, the constraint to agility isn't software anymore, it's operations. And so we DevOps emerges, fantastic. Yeah. Right. Now, it was an Amazon statistic. We can deploy change every 11 seconds or something like that. Yeah. So we now have an engine. We can create change every two weeks. We can deploy change every 11 seconds. But it takes us three months to recruit the right person, the bureaucracy and, and the delays in approvals to get hiring tickets. Right. Right? It takes us 18 months to get a budget change request in place so that we can actually do the work that we need to be able to do. Mm -hmm. right? So the constraint in the system uh, is no longer generically, obviously in some organizations, it may still well be technology, but in many organizations, the constraint in the system is somewhere else. And in this case, marketing, finance, mm -hmm. um, HR, um, and or governance or, or like uh, compliance teams. In my experience, one of those four is probably the next constraint. And that is where agile business is important because we do need agility in those functions. Yeah. And there's a lot of great techniques and practices in from the agile world, but mm -hmm. also in other worlds from lean, uh, from 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 OD uh, org development. There's a lot of great concepts that we can pull upon to create agility in these other functions as well. But that's that's why there is no framework, right? There is no business agility framework because these situations are so different, right? And uh, I just want to highlight that one sentence you just said because I, I did see this. Uh, uh, that is pinned on your Twitter. Um, actually, an organization can only be as agile as its uh, least agile part, uh, and that's not IT anymore. So I just wanted to repeat that one more time, right? It's like, uh, I think there's a lot of weight to it because 
Um, you know, you can look at an organization and you can say, hey, we have these challenge teams everywhere, right? But it's like the analogy to your car production is uh, we're extremely good producing cars, maybe from start to finish, but then they all go on a parking lot because they're only releasing every six months, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're going to stand out there and we're waiting to be um, uh, handed over and getting rusty, <laughs> losing value, That's right? It. It's also a value conversation we need to have here, right? It's like, what's the value? The value is not if the car is ending up on a, uh, on a parking lot, it's when a customer experiences the car. Spot yeah. on. And, and, and if, you, if you want to understand business agility, it's understanding that flow to the customer. Mm. And, and everything is about um, that customer feedback and that customer obsession. Mm -hmm. so, so structural agility as one of the domains. Right? It's not about uh, squads and tribes and cells or circles or whatever the hell you want to call it. Right? Mm -hmm. It's about how do we create an organizational context, a construct where there is no handoff, where the value creation, the flow of value creation between idea and customer is contained within as few teams as possible. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and that's where like Ford, for example, was really, really like, 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 like when the production line, the car automotive production line first was sort of developed, mm -hmm. right? This was such an amazing uh, idea because it really was how quickly can, how, how can we get the flow so mm -hmm. that our customers, the drivers can get their car. And it was even, it, it, you watch old videos from the time. It's like the end, the final step in that production line was someone jumped in the car and had to drive it out, right? They had like 11 seconds or something before to drive it out before the next car crashes into it in behind. It was so fast. Uh, now, agility is not about speed, right? Business agility is not about being, it's about adapting to the customer demand, mm -hmm. right? But in, in obviously in that case, it, it was about speed because that's what was important right. to them. Um, so yeah, it's, this is a, it, it all comes down to where do we realize the value mm -hmm. when the customer receives X achieves X when the customer gets some value out from us, that is the end point of our value generation. And so everything is, is aligned mm -hmm. from structure to management to, to everything to achieve that value realization as effectively i would say it's quickly you yeah. because right? it may not necessarily mean fast but as effectively as possible yes that that's a key thing now with all that said uh there is no framework right there's a business agility framework um so what is what's the role of the business agility institute in all of that like uh like uh, what what's the what is the goal what are you driving trying to do here as a as an organization because if there's no so problem, so Body yeah, of knowledge, uh, domains, etc. Right, but there's no body of knowledge, there's no framework or anything like that. So, what's well, no, there is a body of knowledge. So that's actually what. So mm -hmm. a large part of what we do is create. Um, uh, I'll take a step back. Think of us as a community organization and a research organization. We don't do consulting. We don't do training. Um, what we do is we're a member-based organization. We are funded by our members. Mm -hmm. um, we develop material to help inspire companies to be better uh, whether it is case studies and stories because some people are inspired by by stories 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Whether it is data, because some people are inspired by, by facts and figures, right? So we have at the moment uh, six research teams around the world diving really deep into wicked problems, problems that have no answer. We have a research team at the moment that's exploring uh, transformation at different company sizes. So, mm-hmm. so the, the challenge between uh, a company of 50 and a company of 500,000, right? What changes? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the answer is almost everything, but what exactly? Uh, and what stays the same? Uh, interestingly, one thing we have learned, and this research hasn't finished yet, but in, in some of the early uh, observations, is that there are actually some things that do remain the same. Leadership, for example, the skill and the traits of a leader uh, don't actually change as companies scale. Like the work of a leader does in, in, in yeah. some cases, but the traits that they need actually remain fairly true. Whereas the, the traits of process and governance do need to change. So we're exploring that quite deeply. We have another research project that started literally uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. which is exploring inclusion. And one of the sad things about our community is that, um, and the, the hypothesis that we are testing, and I'd like it to be false, but I think it will be true, is that agile organizations are actually less inclusive than regular organizations. Right. We talk a very good game about inclusion and empowerment, but when we look at the numbers, we are actually doing really badly. So what we're doing is we have a research study going and looking at, is this actually true? Like, mm-hmm. Are the numbers just a little bit misleading because mm-hmm. like segmentation and, and uh, observation bias and all those kind of things. Oh, sorry, confirmation bias and all those kind yeah. of things. Um, uh, or is it true? In which case, why? And then what can we do about it? Uh, so, so these are kind of the research projects that we're exploring yeah. in terms of the stories, the library that we've been developing. Um, we have case studies in every industry, in every geography. Um, my favorite case study is one of our latest ones. It is from a pulp paper processing factory. That's not something I can say too quickly. Um, in India who has been using their own kind of version of self-management and empowerment and agility since the 70s. Right? And it's, it's a really powerful story. It, it, it emerges because um, this is a very traditional factory. Um, there was sort of religious unrest at the time. Uh, and so the, the managers couldn't get to the factory, but the mm. workers who all lived, lived nearby sort of could. Now, this is the 70s, no one's, got mo- no one's got mobile phones, you can't remotely manage. So the managers just kind of assumed that everyone would just stay home and twiddle their thumbs and, and, and not work. Yeah. But when, they, when the roads finally opened and they could get to the factory, they discovered the workers had not only continued going to work, but had actually done a better job without the managers in the building. Right? And uh, the owner of this, build, uh, of, this, uh, of this factory was obviously very insightful and sort of started designing a when we talk about empowerment and delegation and having teams with autonomy right this company's been doing it for decades and it's a really fantastic story anyway um so stories research uh we do do the conferences which is a way for us to share the stories yeah um uh and share the research Mm -hmm. so that's us as an organization we're here our job is to uh, what's the saying a rising tide lifts all ships lifts all ships we want to be the rising tide. We're here to lift everybody else up. Yeah. Well, definitely the stories. Uh, I, I like stories too, right? Data is, is very uh, uh, important, right? But the stories already provide a little bit of more personal geographical touch mm-hmm. to it. I'm intrigued talking about this inclusive uh, part. 
uh, but the research is in progress. I don't know if we should. It, it, we're sort of three weeks into it, so uh, we're yeah. still working through. Uh, it's we're, we're defining the the methodological approach to make sure mm -hmm. that it is it's sound and we don't introduce our own biases into mm -hmm. the research. Um, so I, unfortunately, this is one where where I don't have too much. To, that, unlike company size, which has been running for about six months, this is yeah. a little bit too new to talk about. That would be pure speculation, and I would just for. <laughs> For the uh, for the research to come out, right? How about I come back in six months and I'll tell you how it goes? You know, how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the conferences, right? Just the, the sharing of of the wealth and the stories, etc. Right? Uh, what do you what do you hear from participants on the on the floor when when you have these conferences? You just had one in New York. Um, <laughs> yes. what, what do you uh, well with some obstacles there, right? Uh, in New York, <laughs> of the just a little. Right? Um, but uh, what, what do you hear other than Corona um, on, the, on, on the floor in particular or in the past conferences? What do people, what are, what are folks uh, uh, concerned about in an organization? If somebody says, hey, we want our business to be agile, et cetera, even some commercials actually on TV say business agility. What are they yeah. concerned about? So, so it is quite unique to, each company generally will come with its own challenges. The certain patterns which have emerged, mm -hmm. um, there are some companies that are afraid for their survival. And, and, and I'm going like, let's go back six weeks, forget coronavirus, forget COVID-19, because that has changed everything. Yeah. Um, but generally, there are some companies afraid for their survival. They're afraid of disruption. Mm -hmm. They're afraid of the next Uber or the next Airbnb coming into their to their industry and just ripping it apart. And so they want to learn how to, to be agile as an organization. Um, there are others who have more focused uh, demands. It's it's they have challenges with the workforce or their leadership, right? mm -hmm. high staff turnover. Uh, and, and how do you how do you delegate properly? Mm -hmm. right? How do you delegate outcomes? How do you build a workforce that can take ownership? And some people are there looking for really sort of practical, we need to be a better organized. We know how to be agile. We just need, oh, sorry, we, we know what we need to be agile. We just need to know how we are going to get there. So, they, so they're coming to these events and they're coming to the library to learn from other people's experiences as they've gone through this journey. I will touch, sorry, go on, yeah. Yeah, do you see a lot of um, crossing over, like let's say an HR person uh, coming to the conference, oh, yes. not, going, not going to the HR track, maybe going somewhere else? Do you see a uh, lot of so, so, so we actually don't have tracks. One of the things that we've done with the, with the Business Agility Conference is we've taken learning theory and we've applied it very deeply into the events. So no talk is more than 20 minutes. Ironically, for an agile conference, we don't give you choice. There are no tracks. There is one room, 400 people in a single room. Um, and only half the time, in fact, less than half the time is spent listening to the experts at the front of the room. Uh, most of the time is actually spent in dialogue, facilitated dialogue with your peers. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's part of the reason it's a secret source why people keep coming back because it is highly interactive, highly engaging, mm -hmm. and it's about self-directed learning, right? So we will give you that curated story. Right? But we want the HR people talking to the finance people, talking to the agile coaches, talking to, to the, the, the students, because right? we do mm -hmm. usually get some management students in there as well. Right? So, so that table of 10 is going to have a very diverse set of experiences, and they're going to learn from each other. Because yeah. that HR person is going to learn more 
from a an agile coach or from a finance like like an, a, an accountant then they will be will they then they will learn from another hr professional mm. right just because of that nature of that uh and it's also facilitated so we make sure that the dialogue is actually productive right uh, so that that's we love the format that we've done and obviously we had to adapt it quite significantly because yeah. uh we were there in New York exactly at that tipping point. Right? Yeah. The day before the conference, I'm walking through Times Square with a thousand other people. The day after the conference, there was nobody in New York. Times Square was empty. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it's, I, uh, yeah. We took all the delegates to a Broadway show on the Wednesday night, and then they closed Broadway on Thursday. So, so we were there literally at that last I'm the last responsible moment, I suppose, or, yeah. or, or as the case may be. Um, but you got, uh, some, got some unique pictures then of Manhattan. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, very but, much. Uh, so. You know, for the for the photo galleries in the future, it's like, can you remember the day where you were in Times Square by yourself? <laughs> yes. Well, and no, and no, I was in Times Square by myself and about 20 camera crews. So all those photos of an empty Times Square, what they don't show is shoulder to shoulder, all the camera crews taking the same photo. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Talking about COVID-19 for a sec, because there is something that we did observe with that conference. Um, and it's about how different companies responded. Uh, and it was really interesting. Uh, as an organization, our focus was um, uh, the health and welfare. Like this is before pandemic had been declared. This was before uh, New York had one case, two cases. Right? Right. So, so, so there was fear, um, um, but there, but there was no. Uh, this was just as the as the responses starting to come, the government responses starting to be put into gear. It's 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 uh, well. When I say there was one case, there was one tested case. This is obviously testing. They grew very quickly once they started testing people. And so there was probably more than one when we were there, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but what I did notice was how companies, um, uh, what companies did. And I can, I can, there are two kinds of ways that companies, um, uh, in, responded or reacted. In fact, that's the two ways, response or reaction, right? And it was very interesting to see a company that responded, right? These are companies that understand things like strategic agility. They are making considered but fast mm -hmm. decisions continuously. They are, they are responding to the crisis as new information emerges. They are making decisions accordingly. They've, got the muscle memory to change their organizational strategy mm -hmm. right? an adaptive strategy or an emergent strategy mm -hmm. um, in this case on a daily basis right but very 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 rapidly then there were the organizations that didn't have that strategic agility muscle memory or that business agility muscle memory mm -hmm. and so as an organization they were just reacting decision after decision after decision and each decision was almost made in isolation. Okay, something just happened. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? And what you could see with these companies, and, and these were our delegates, and we're, and we're talking to them, and we're talking about what they're doing and how they're doing. And we could see the company that reacted and the company that responded would often come to the same conclusion right, in that first decision. Right. 
But the problem is a crisis like that isn't one decision. It is a series, a sequence of, of challenges and responses, decisions that need to be made um, mm -hmm. along that path. Whereas the companies that reacted would just jump. But where the responding companies would actually navigate, right, mm -hmm. would actually try and figure it out, where they started making decisions in sync before very long, that reacting company would just, their decisions would go off the path because they're just reacting so quickly. They're not actually learning from, from the previous decision. It's just a new, it's a new decision based on the spot, based on what was just announced. Yeah. And that difference between companies responding and reacting, right? Again, I'm about to say something that is a hypothesis. I can't prove this yet. Yeah. Right? But those companies that were responding, I think, are actually going to be in a much better position to come out of COVID-19 strong, in a strong position, than those who are just bouncing from decision to decision and reacting out of um, fear in some cases, or, or at least uh, reacting from whatever position that they are in. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the interesting observations we have from actually being in New York in the middle uh, when, that, um, when the curve went up. Yeah, when the group went up, yeah. I remember the time and um, there was no travel ban and just for everybody listening to this, now being further into this crisis, uh, you were by no means reckless. There were lots of people around. Um, so there, this was not something, at this point, nobody would cancel a, a conference. Uh, <laughs> but uh, within a day or two, things changed drastically. And I remember the travel ban where I sat in front of the television. I was like, is that really happening, a travel ban already that early? So. There was the, mm -hmm. it, it really went very fast and you now in hindsight, very well done um, in terms of uh, focus, right? Focus on the situation. Now, um, let's, let's, uh, let's touch a little bit on that topic because you, you mentioned earlier this, this story from India, right? From that company. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned stories uh, just in general and, and you're in, in all the continents and, and areas uh, <laughs> where Agile yes. is being, being, uh, being done in an agile and a business side, are there? We, any we have members in fifty-eight countries. Fifty-eight countries, fantastic. Yeah, um, are there any differences uh, culturally, regionally, or what's in terms of business in Chile? Are there any kind of advancements? Some, let's say, like some geographies more advanced in this topic versus others, or is there different focus areas? Or just if if you have any kind of not necessarily data, I'm asking you from the top of your head, right? But no, I can actually give you data. Um, cause we have actually done that. We, we have actually looked at that. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, again, I'm going to give you two answers right? and, and, and both are correct. And, mm -hmm. um, in the, uh, so, so we, we, we have a study called the business agility survey or business agility report that looks at, um, the progress that companies have made, um, on their business agility journeys, um, over the last well, year. Uh, and in fact, uh, uh, if, if the listeners, if you have 15 minutes, please take the survey. It's, it's online now and, and I'll share the, I'll share the link. Okay. Um, in that we obviously look at uh, geographic distribution distribution. And when we first looked at it, we saw that there was a very clear distinction between certain regions, right? Um, uh, Asia, India was quite low versus America. That was quite high. Um, Australia is also quite low, sadly. Um, but 
the great thing is we have access to data scientists and data scientists do things with data that that is magic to me i, I don't even pretend yeah. to understand half of what they do yeah. um but what they came back to us with was a very clear statement that once you took into account company size and how long a company had been on the journey right there was no statistical difference between any company on the planet wow. so a 2000 person company who started the journey last year or two years ago in america has the same statistical uh, progress in terms of agility as a 2000 person company starting the journey one or two years ago in india right okay. so 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 uh, in terms of progress and maturity and, and characteristics, right, there is no difference, mm -hmm. right? except to say that American organizations have been doing it for longer. It was something that's, that, that business agility is certainly more progressed in America. Um, uh, uh, Europe uh, is sort of growing up. Africa is only just getting started. And Asia and India is sort of somewhere in the middle. Um, now, the second answer uh, is that what there is, is a very significant difference in, let's call it nuance, right? So, so the survey that we run looks at the broad strokes, right? Mm -hmm. right? Delegation, right? Um, do you empower your, like, are our staff feeling empowered? Do they have autonomy? Can they make decisions, mm -hmm. right? Around structure, right? Do you have a structure that is hierarchical and based on functions, or do you have a structure that, that allows the free flow of people, information and products uh, like that, no handoffs, right? Growth mindsets and, and, and all these other um, uh, facets. So we're looking at the broad brushstrokes. But when we go, uh, we ran a conference in Africa, a business agility conference in Africa in, um, actually it was in March, it was, it was actually the, the, the first week of March, it was just before the New York conference. Okay. Um, and one of the things that we discovered in, in Africa, sorry, quickly correct myself. We had two conferences in Africa, one in Nigeria, one in South Africa. Right? Um, but in both cases, what I discovered um, or rather reinforced based on, on what we already know is that the an African version of agility is very different in, in nuance to an American version of agility. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, there are cultural challenges around, um, I'll give you one very simple example, yeah. right? uh, elders. Right? In America, uh, we're talking openness, independence, uh, uh, that, that, that you are an independent entity. Someone who is older, um, you will treat with respect, right? but you will still tell them you're wrong. And a younger manager can manage elder uh, employees, right? mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. In Africa, certainly in, 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 in Nigeria, where, where we, we did a lot of talking mm -hmm. about this topic. No, you can't do that. Right? Uh, it is, it is uh, people, if, if you are managed by someone who is younger than you, you're losing face. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, if you are, and if you do manage someone who's elder than you, you culturally you can't tell them that they're wrong you can't um uh, you can't correct them right mm. so there's all these challenges around transparency and there's all this nuance uh, mm. around how agility expresses itself in these in in these regions mm. so so in the broad 
level, there is no difference. In the microcosm, there is an infinite realm of difference. Oh yeah, I, I, I can see that. And I could probably see that also in, even within Europe or, or Asia. I mean, uh, I, I could see probably the same things, right? As like nuances, but possibly causing I, headaches. Yeah. yeah, so I, I will actually add to that. So you touch on Asia. And so I used to live in Singapore. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I moved to Australia from Singapore about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things you see working in an Asian context is there's that stereotype of, of, of uh, hierarchy, like uh, elder respect, all that kind of thing, um, which is true, right? Like the stereotype is there for a reason, but there's also a generational shift. So if I, I would, um, go and do mentoring of a few startups in Singapore. And when I'm mentoring these startups, they're full of, of young people. They're full of, in fact, they're full of everyone, right? Mm -hmm. But the culture inside that startup, I could transplant it into San Francisco and it would look very similar, mm -hmm. right? So, so there's almost a generational shift that's happening across Asia as well, where where transparency and openness and and, and uh, free flowing communication yeah. is becoming more valued. Now, I would guess it's probably to do with the internet and social media, and just people are used to this kind of communication. Right. Um, that's just a guess, but there is a generational shift that is occurring across what are traditionally um, yeah. uh, hierarchical, strict um, uh, cultures. Yeah, and once a habit breaks, right, then uh, or crumble a little bit, then we'll see change happening, right, and uh, and possibly those those uh, signs we see are, are going to go away at some point uh, across. You know, it's a, it's a global market at some point again, right? After we're going to go back on planes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you were also, uh, just to touch on another topic here uh, with you, while I have you, right, is um, Evan, is the business agility program of, of IC Agile. You were instrumental uh, and an integral part of developing and participating in this in this program. That's a major shift for IC Agile because there's a huge focus now on business agility um, as a program. Can you possibly, uh, and it's relatively new. I don't, I don't think we're talking about something uh, six, eight weeks or something. Yes. Like so, so, um, oh, this is, uh, going back to 2000 and I'm going to say 16, mm -hmm. um, might be 15. Uh, we, uh, I was working with, uh, Pat Reed and Andy Cooper on the business agility foundation, learning objectives mm -hmm. at the time um this was the only sort of business agility certification uh, mm -hmm. in the ic agile roadmap um and, and in fact to be fair it was the only business agility certification on the planet mm -hmm. um so we developed that this is about five five years ago something like that um and over time i've been sort of collaborating with ic agile as they develop more certifications um if we go back like six months, uh, IC Agile effectively had four certifications that were business agility, the foundations, leadership, HR, marketing, and oh, actually, sorry, five and finance. Mm -hmm. right? um, uh, three of them were what I would call divisional. 
right? Marketing, mm -hmm. finance, and HR focus on specific divisions mm -hmm. and leadership and the, and the foundations are more sort of uh, mental. It's like agility to lead and, and, and agility to, to sort of be. Yeah. Um, what I love what IC Agile has been doing um, and, and I've had a lot of conversations and we are helping them with some of this is they've literally just split their roadmaps in two. They've yes. now created their agile delivery roadmap, which is the coaching, the development, the testing, um, the product ownership and the project management and delivery management, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and so that's sort of been, been, uh, that's sort of focusing very much on agile, capital A agile product development, agile delivery, Mm -hmm. um, all the things that we've been doing and loving for, for since the Agile Manifesto in 2001. Yeah. On the left-hand side, though, is they split out the business agility uh, certification. So that what, where there once was five, there is now something like uh, 10, yeah. uh, 10, 10 or 12. So there are now three um, blades to the business agility uh, roadmap. Mm -hmm. um, you've got the leadership blade uh, or uh, agility in uh, agility in leadership. Mm -hmm. So that is the old leadership uh, certification, but mm -hmm. they've now added two more, one which is people development mm -hmm. and one which is adaptive strategy. So people development is exploring how to, how to, how to, uh, it's kind of that intersection between HR and leadership. Mm -hmm. How do you develop? A, a, your, your team? How do you care about their careers? How do you make them better as people? And then adaptive strategy, it, it's that strategic agility. It's, it's how do you design and run um, uh, an organization and change the strategy as, as the market changes from feedback from customers um, mm -hmm. and all that, all that wonderful stuff. Um, they brought in the enterprise. So, so they used to be uh, these, these used to be two Agile coaching uh, uh, blades, yeah. uh, uh, roadmaps, Agile coaching and enterprise coaching. Mm -hmm. So they brought enterprise coaching into the business agility roadmap. Mm -hmm. And that's looking at sort of uh, coaching Agile transitions and agility in the enterprise. Right. Um, and then in the middle, they've got this really big uh, fan, which is they call operating with agility. Uh, what I would call sort of the, the divisional agility. So that's the HR one. That's right. marketing. Uh, agility and finance, but they've created three new certifications, um, adaptive org design, which mm -hmm. is that structural agility. How do you design an organizational structure product management, which is, is, uh, it sort of ties into that project management, uh, side and that product ownership side over in the delivery, but it is more from a, a organizational, uh, strategy positioning perspective. And then the last one, lean portfolio management, which is definitely well overdue. Right? LPM is something that we've been talking about for at least 10, 15 years. Um, and most organizations don't do it well. So I'm yeah. really glad they've got a certification um, developed absolutely. on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I applaud this, uh, this, this whole new look on, on business agility because at the end of the day, I think this is going to bring the community forward right in in terms of looking at a bigger picture of, of business agility and even if you are you know more focused on the coaching on the team side you are at least aware of there is a there's a whole spectrum of things going on 
on the other side. Yeah. And uh, selfishly speaking, I'm, I'm teaching in that uh, enterprise coaching blade or whatever you call that blade. <laughs> right? But um, uh, also portfolio piece, super exciting stuff, right? And then everything in, be in between. Uh, so yeah. more to come, um, Evan. This is uh, this is a really watch, an, uh, watch this space. I'm I'm really excited by and, and I'm I'm watching yeah. IC Agile. I'm, I'm talking to them on a regular basis, uh, and uh, we they have our full support in this in this roadmap that they're developing. Um, and uh, any insights uh, for your listeners, if you if there's any if there's any learning pathway. A journey that that you think is important, please bring that to us. Bring that to IC Agile because this is this is the time we have to fundamentally change how companies learn about both business agility, but just business. Full stop. It's very interesting, uh, Evan, that you uh, that you say that because it, the the community, right? I just recently had uh, somebody on um, on this on Agile FM and uh, somebody who started literally enterprise agility in the 1990s with with the name on it and everything right <laughs> and then everything went to software development for uh, like 2001 for like 15 years and now what what we have is a situation where we come back you know finally yep. so it's now time to it's like let's close the circle here and say let's go and um and uh, refocus on what's possible we have the technologies the business is warming up to these ideas it's it's a wonderful opportunity and uh, so lots of areas people can get uh, excited about. One of them is uh, get in touch, become a member of the Business Agility Institute. Another one is attend an Agile Business Agility Conference uh, to participate in an IC Agile a training program to become more agile, participate in any of your surveys. And at the end of the day, it all is going to help to um, get the message out, get some data together, get stories. And I think at the end of the day, we don't want to use another 20 years to uh, <laughs> no. have another step forward, right? It's got to be sooner. Well, I, th I think um, uh, the current crisis is definitely going to uh, force people's hands exactly. in many cases. Yeah, sounds really good. Thanks, Evan, so much. And uh, cheers to uh, uh, Australia and uh, we'll see each other soon. And uh, thanks again for the conversation and stay safe. And thank you. And thank you to all your guests and all your listeners. Please stay safe and stay sane in this difficult time. Thank you, Joe. I love talking to you always. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.